are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. This morning's gift of Christmas is the gift of grace. I wonder if we really understand grace. You see, in our mind, if there's something that we want, we work for it, we save up for it, we purchase it, we do whatever it takes to be able to get that, that dream or that gift. But grace is something that we could never buy. It's something that we could never earn. It's something that is given to us, and it's kind of like, God, I don't understand this because, Lord, I don't deserve it. I didn't work for it. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't obtain it. It's something free, and, Lord, usually those free gifts are cheap and, and not worth it, but God's unmerited favor is upon each and every one of us. One of my life scriptures is Psalms 512. The favor of God surrounds the righteous like a shield. Do you know you and your family walk in favor? Do you know that gift from the Lord is, is just so amazing? God, as our Father, loves to give good gifts. Are you a good receiver? Or do you walk in that place and say, God, I just don't deserve this, Lord. If I could work my will Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. That's a quote from Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. Scrooge set a precedence of anger at the holidays, shaking your fist at traditions you don't agree with and blaming people for the loss of the ones that they loved. I really want to know what was in that inside of Lewis's package there. I also would like to know how Lewis feeds himself, but that's just a completely different question. The gift of grace. For Lewis, that, that gift came in the giving. Some might say that Lewis got what he deserved in the video. You know what? He acted irresponsible. He jumped up on the counter. He fell on the, on the conveyor belt. Great, he deserved it. The other people look at that and say he didn't get what he deserved because he ended up getting a gift from the cashier who he assaulted, from the cashier who, in his words, he commandeered her station. Regardless, he received grace, and grace is one of those things that just blow us away. You know, for me, probably the, the coolest thing was that day that that someone blessed me with a truck. And I remember so many people saying, oh, pastor, you deserve that. Wow, good for you. And every single person who said that, I said, I didn't deserve that. You know, like, I've helped a lot of families in this community and a lot of families in our church. Maybe you deserve a Tim Hortons gift card, but not a truck. But that was unmerited favor. That was grace, a gift from the Lord that to this day blows me away, and I'm like, Jesus, you are so awesome. Have you experienced it? I'll never forget. I was probably just out of grade 12, whatever age you are, and, and I decided to go to Sheridan Business College and 
Brampton, Ontario. And I had my first car, which was a 1981 Honda Prelude. You know, it wasn't fast, but for me, it was my little race thing. And I loved it. It had a moonroof, and the engine never died in that thing. The doors fell off first before anything else happened. But as I was coming home one night from, from school, there was another little car beside me, and the two of us look at each other at the lights, and we're like, it's on. So we started going down Kennedy Boulevard, and the speed limit there was 60, and we hit probably 95 when I passed a police officer doing radar, two of us. And I'm like, oh, no. So you look in the, well, I didn't have a rearview mirror. That had fallen off. But I looked in the, the side mirror, and I saw the cherries turn on and the police officer coming after me. And I thought, you know what? The best thing to do is if I pull over first, he's going to go after the car that's still speeding. So I pulled right over, and the other car just kept on going, and I was wrong. He pulled in behind me. I'm like, come on. And I'm sure the other guy in the car was like, ha, sucker. So I'm sitting in my car, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I'm like, man, I've never got a ticket before. This is awful. I deserved it. But the police officer never came to my door. And I looked at my rear, I looked in the little side mirror there, and, I, and when I looked at, looked at him, he goes like this. And I'm like, great. It's wintertime. He's cold. He wants me to walk to his car so he can give me a ticket. This is just a perfect day. So I walk back to his car, and he rolls down his window. He says, son, where are you coming from? I said, I'm coming from school. He goes, you go to Sheridan? I said, yes, sir. He says, do you know how fast you're going? I'm like, well, not really. He goes, would you believe me if I said I clocked you going 95 and a 60? I said, yep. He says, you're a student at the school. Can you afford a $380 ticket? I said, no, sir. He goes, no, he can't. He goes, and do you know what that's going to do to your insurance? I said, no, sir. He says, it's going to put your insurance up to a very high bracket because not only were you speeding, but you were racing. I said, yes, sir. He says, you know what? I'm going to let you go. He says, but use your brain. If you can't afford it, then don't do it. And I, I remember slapping him on the shoulder. And I said, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. And I got back on my car, and I took off with him behind me. I forgot to put my seatbelt on. <laughs> and I thought he's going to pull me over again and say, what is your problem, boy? But he let me go, and then a few kilometers up the road, I'm like, oh, put that on. But to this day, I never, ever forgot the grace that that officer showed me. I deserved a ticket. I was caught red-handed speeding. I was caught red-handed doing something that was wrong. Yet that officer blessed a college student. Have you experienced it? Have you been... Let go of something that you've deserved. Although Jesus certainly is the reason for this season. Somewhere along the, the way, Lewis unfortunately became bound up in religious quest to be right instead of a worthwhile pursuit to be right with other people. That is part of what grace is about, being right with others. Lewis and those who find themselves in happy holidays versus Merry Christmas verbal war 
maybe trying to love God by somehow defending Christmas. However, oftentimes, Lewis and other soldiers of the Merry Christmas fight seem to lack any sense of what desire in the eyes of God when it comes to loving others. Lewis demonstrated a clumsy kind of love which people do not normally respond to well. It's hard to be right with your neighbor when the first response is one of correction in a tone of superiority. There's a real lack of love and mutual respect when people feel the first response of judgmental correction from someone in such situations. Jesus said that people will know that we are disciples by by the way we love one another, not by how we prove that we are right. Real love says, I want to understand you. Pride says, I want you to understand me. Here's another little clip this morning that's going to show that, and maybe if someone could grab the lights at the back again because it's a little faded out, this one. Excuse me. I know you didn't think anyone would catch you, but you just slammed your door into my car. The least you can do is say you're sorry, lady. You don't have to take that tone. It's not like I'm hurting your resale value. I'm sorry. See? Like that. Again, grace is less about being right and more about being right with one another. 
Religion and the law are about being right, but who really wants religion for Christmas anyways? Religion has been defined as rules and relationships, excuse me, uh, defined as rules and regulations without relationship. That seems like something far away from love and from what Jesus offers to each and every one of us this Christmas. For remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Last week, we read about how the Lord told the shepherds to go and see the Messiah. See, shepherds were not the upper class. They didn't have money. They didn't have an invitation. They didn't have stuff to be able to give, but yet they received an invitation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to witness the birth of a Messiah. But yet also, the wise men, the kings were also invited, who brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Every single class of people, Jesus says, I want you. Come. Jesus says, I'm, I'm calling you into my presence. Come. It doesn't matter what your upbringing is. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what, how good of a person you are. Jesus wants us to come and receive that gift of grace. As we consider the arrival of Christmas season, we remember this. It's all about love. If we love God but miss loving our neighbors, we've missed the way God wants us to experience a Merry Christmas in the first place. Do you remember your testimony? Do you remember the grace that God showed you when all of a sudden he lifted you up in that muck and mire and placed your feet upon a rock? I'm not the man that I used to be because God the Father transformed me. That's grace. And I've asked one of our board members to come up and share his testimony of God's grace. Steve. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Steve. And uh, Pastor Lance had asked me to share my testimony, and I was uncertain as to which portion of it I should go into. Um, I asked him how long I had, and I said, could I have 30, 40 minutes? And he said, you got about five. <laughs> so I'll try and keep it simple, keep it short. I had, uh, well, I'll share with this portion with you. As a recovering alcoholic, I had a lot of uh, past that I had to deal with. Part of that dealing with it was uh, getting into a new relationship with Lena, my wife now. At the time, uh, we had met through extraordinary circumstances. I had gone sent on a, a TD trip. The person that was supposed to go at the last minute could not make it. I was not supposed to go anywhere due to some trouble I'd been into because of my alcoholism. I was a last minute replacement. I got sent away on the TD trip. I went to a hotel. Uh, the crew went to a hotel. It was a hotel that we were not supposed to be in. Uh, the day after we got there, we were told we had to move. Four of us decided not to move. We were given the option of going to a different hotel or staying there. I stayed. Lena worked at that hotel. She was working in the cafeteria, or the restaurant, pardon me, and that's how we met. We uh, 
developed a relationship and came back. When I came back to uh, Alberta, sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering this. Emotionally, not because I can't remember it. In 1988, after Lena had uh, agreed to come back to Alberta and we got married, and I went to 10 Foot 2 as a school in the military. And there I met a man named uh, Gabe Toth. Gabe Toth and I had uh, similar likes. We liked to hunt and fish. Through meeting him, we met his wife, Michelle, and their, uh, their children. Lena developed a relationship with Michelle. She had uh, given her heart to the Lord at that time. Uh, pardon me, Michelle had, not Lena yet. And through the development of their relationship and our getting together, Michelle led Lena to the Lord, and that was on Christmas of 1999. So with Lena giving her heart to the Lord, she naturally wanted to have her husband's heart to the Lord as well. She had tried to convince me a couple of times to try and get involved in the church. She would ask me to come to church. I would say no. She would get disappointed, go to church, come home, tell me all about it. And then she started bringing home some videotapes of a uh, gentleman by the name of... Oh, Christmas. Uh, Deplantis. Deplantis. Jesse Deplantis. Thank you. I like comedy, as I'm sure we all do. And that was how she worked getting God into my life and keeping my interest level up as well. Just about every second Sunday, she would come home from church with a Jesse Duplantis tape. We'd sit and watch it. And, of course, this stuff would soak into me. This went on until uh, Easter. And Easter, I went to the service with her. She had asked me to come. And one of uh, Gabe and Michelle's children, their little boy, Chad, I don't think Chad was more than five years old at the time. He was sitting beside me in the service. The service was just wrapping up, and uh, Pastor Lawrence had given an altar call. Chad grabbed my hand, looked up at me, and said, Uncle Steve, I said, what's going to happen to you if you go outside right now and get run over by a car? What are you going to do? How do you answer that? I said, I don't know, Chad. Walked up to the front and gave my heart to the Lord then. That was a turning point, obviously, in my life. And uh, I have lived and loved the Lord since then. Out of the mouths of babes. You know, Lena had tried, I don't know how many times, to get me to come to the Lord. A five-year-old boy. One question. And that was it. And I think from there, I'll just stop for now. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. What puffs you up? Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. A person cannot earn grace. Grace is a gift that can only be received. 
The Apostle Paul talks about the important gift of grace that has been given to us by God in the letter to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. In other words, the only way to get saved is by receiving a gift straight from the hand of God. Imagine our salvation if we felt that, you know what, we had to earn God's favor every single day. Every day we would have to take a measuring stick out and say, you know what, God, did I, did I make the cut today? It'd be, like a, it'd be like a bank account. It'd be like whenever we do something good, uh, the bank account would grow, but whenever we, we miss the mark, the bank account would deplete. And then at the end, it's whether we're in the black or the red that gives us access into heaven. Thank God it's not like that. I've had the opportunity to counsel lots of couples. And sometimes when something goes wrong, you have spouse A who says, you know what, I will do whatever it takes to make this right. I am so sorry. And spouse B says, I've heard that before. You've hurt me, and I'm not going to let you hurt me again. And then time goes on, and spouse A works hard and tries to, tries to earn favor and tries to, to, to be able to build up that bank account again. But then as time goes on, the willpower finally starts to, to deplete. And that same sin, because the issue has not been dealt with, rises up again. And willpower fades. And spouse B says, see, I knew you would do it again. My friends, I can't imagine a marriage like that. When we have issues, when Cindy and I have issues in our marriage, the only way to deal with it is by coming together and working at it. I've shared with you before, you know, one thing that I struggled with for so many years is anger. Man, I would get mad and fly off the handle, and Cindy would then get mad at me and say, I don't like this about you. I don't like when you get angry. And then all of a sudden, her and I are in this battle. It's like, whoa, and it escalates, and it escalates, and it escalates, until one time the Holy Spirit said, stop fighting him and partner with him. And she came alongside, and she says, Lance, I understand you. You hate this just as much as I do, and I've been making this worse by fighting you on this. Help me to partner with you in prayer, and let's see the Lord. From, uh, let's see what the Lord does. And from that moment, I had not an enemy on my side, but I had a, a friend. I had a partner, a co-heir with Jesus. That's grace, because when I get angry. And when all of a sudden Cindy would feel afraid or, or, or feel uncomfortable, whatever that feeling that she would, which she would feel is, I deserved her to be mad at me. I deserve for her to, to throw in the towel and say, you know what, we've talked about this for so many years, I'm done. But that grace of her coming alongside of me was one of those platforms for our marriage that launched us into a completely new level. And I honor her for that. James 4, 6 says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. 
In this verse, James is quoting a principle from an Old Testament proverb that has been around for centuries, but it's relevant for the situation we witnessed in the video regarding Lewis and his actions. Look at how the words of Proverbs 3-4 describes the Merry Christmas maniac. Towards the scorners, God is scornful, but to the humble, he gives grace. It's Proverbs 3-34. Too often, Lewis is what some people think of when they think of that word Christian. You say the word of Christian and people are like, oh yeah, those Christians, they don't, they don't dance, they don't drink, they don't play cards, they don't, and automatically that starts to come in their mouth, into their mind. Imagine when you said, yeah, I'm a Christian, and that changed, the, 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 the world uh, uh, theolo theology changed on that because of the love that we showed. Be like, oh yeah, Christian. That's the one that helped me when I needed it. That was the one who sat with my mom as she passed away. That was the one who brought me a meal when I couldn't cook because I was so sick and they looked after my family. Do you see the switch? My friends, you can make a difference. When we embrace this gift of grace and we walk in that place and say, God, Show me what things I'm holding on to, what things I've been fighting for in my life that really aren't important. And Lord, help me to replace that with love. What binds you up? For Lewis winds up in a full body cast, restricted, bound up. He's the very embodiment of what religion can do to us. He was bound up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and because he left, the, uh, left that get the better of him, because he let that get the better of him, he winds up being bound physically. What's your body cast this Christmas? Is it the Christmas cards? You know what? I hand out Christmas cards every single year. And I have 50% of my cards. I don't even know the people anymore, but I make sure I send them a card. But I keep a list at home. And if they don't send me a card in return, they're off the list. Is it the presents? Man, my wife every year gives me an exercise piece of equipment for Christmas. And I have no idea why, and it's driving me mental. That's it. This Christmas, I got the perfect gift for her. It's a vacuum cleaner. We're going we're gonna to fight on this level. Is it family? Man, I don't know what it is. Every Christmas I have these 40 freeloaders come over. They eat all my food. They break my house. They get up and just leave the dishes and walk to the living room and do enjoy uh, conversation, leave me with everything. Then they get up and leave and the house is all upturned. It drives me crazy. Maybe it's even church. The one place that is supposed to be a safe place to accept God's love suddenly becomes the most restrictive. The writer Garrison Keller once said that God has a great respect for directors of Christmas pageants because he directed the first one. Christmas can feel like a body cast at times, can't it? What are you going to accept this year? My friends, can you let go when someone takes that parking spot that you've been circling the park, parking lot trying to find? 
Can you let go when the turkey is burned on the outside and still pink in the middle? How can we free others this season? How can we unbind someone else? The prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 58. This is not the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those in need and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you farther and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, you, then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quick, quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when we are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will build the desert ruins and your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. See, that whole scripture in Isaiah 58 is one that we speak on quite often in January during our 21-day fast. And I love it because it talks about that whole thing of fasting is, is, it takes work to fast. It's hard to fast. It's not the easy way out. But if we fast with wrong, wrong motives, then God's like, you know what? Why are you even wasting your time fasting right now? You're not fasting for me. So when we sit in that place and we say, God, what is my heart condition, God? Lord, is my, is my heart right before you? That is when God is glorified. Grace is a gift for every one of us. Remember what Lewis said, religion is wanting to be right, but grace is wanting to be right with others and with God. Ernie, would you come? God has given us gifts this Christmas. God has given each one of us these amazing, amazing things. Some of it, for sometimes it's that salvation. I'm not sure where you are in this place right now. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I don't know God as my personal savior. And like Steve shared, a little boy, five years old, just grabbed his hand and says, what's gonna happen to you if all of a sudden you walk out of here and you get hit to a car? And Steve's answer was, I don't know. Do you have that security in your heart knowing that God is, is saying, son, I got you. You've invited me into that special place. You've yielded your life to me. For you, is it walking in that place? And you know what? To be honest with you, I do hate that happy holidays thing. And maybe sometimes people say happy holidays. I say, Merry Christmas. Let's remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. But is it done with love? Or is it done with, I want to be right and I want you to know? God looks at the heart. How is your heart? Because I think daily, we need to renew our salvation 
and walk in that place and just say, God, is there anything that is in there, God, that is not of you? Lord, by your spirit, will you show me? Because God's my desire is to be clean and to be right. You know, I don't care who you are or how long you've been serving the Lord. There's always things in our heart that we need to yield to the Holy Spirit and say, help me to be more and more like you every single day, God. Lord, show me those peculiarities that I have, God. Those, those things that just get underneath my skin and irk me. And Lord, help me to respond out of love and not out of judgment and bitterness. How's your heart? What's God showing you right now? Are you willing to surrender it to God? Because sometimes it's one of those things that's like, God, this kind of defines who I am. You seen that, uh, that movie, Deck the Halls? Deck the Halls has got uh, that, not, not Pesci, um, what, DeVito. And then the guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Matthew Broderick. And DeVito comes into town and he's new. And Broderick is in this little town and he's the Christmas guy. So DeVito decides that, wait a minute, I want to be the Christmas guy. So Broderick sits down with him and says, hey, listen, you know what? This is a small town. I'm the Christmas guy here. Why don't you take Halloween? It's open still. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put so many lights on my house that it's going to be seen from space. And the whole movie is about these two fighting one another to find out who the Christmas guy is. What's your peculiar things? Are you the Christmas guy? Are you the, the guy who every year you're adding out on your lawn a new animal to be able to make a real nativity scene? That's cool. Go for it. But what's the motive behind it? We need to let our light shine. But they'll know we're Christians by our love. So let's all stand to our feet. And this morning, if Holy Spirit is just speaking to you, and maybe you want to accept Christ as your personal Savior, maybe you're here and you just, you just want to say, God, I just want to recommission my heart to you, Lord. Because, God, there's some things in there, God, that need to be wiped clean. I just ask that the, our board members and their spouses come on up to the front and we want to be willing to pray for you this morning about whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and to your life. God bless you. This year, let us get ready for Christmas in here. Amen? Amen. hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry.
Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.